Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at US-Mexican relations and the broader context of international trade. The reason for this is President Trump's sudden announcement that he'll impose steadily increasing tariffs on Mexican goods unless Mexico stops the flow of refugees through its country towards America's southern border. Joining me on the line from Mexico City is our correspondent there, Jude Weber, and on the line from Brussels, our economics and trade commentator, Alan Beatty. Jude, first of all, how much of a bolt from the blue did this come for Mexico? Did they foresee this? No, it was a complete surprise. In fact, only a fortnight before the US administration had removed tariffs on steel and aluminium, which had been one of the hurdles to ratifying the new NAFTA pact, the USMCA pact. Mexico had done what it had said it was going to do in terms of preparing for ratification by passing some new labour laws. So it was all looking like tariffs were going to be a thing of the past. And then all of a sudden, this comes from nowhere. So they were completely blindsided by it. And how are they responding? I mean, is there anything they can do? Are they going to try and appease Donald Trump? They say that they're going to make some proposals. They have a meeting at the White House chaired by Mike Pence. Pompeo, the foreign secretary, is also going to be there. And Bob Lighthizer, the US trade representative. Mexico has taken a slightly different tack on immigration to past Mexican governments. Under President Andres Manuel López Obrador, they've decided they want to put development first and to invest in development in the Northern Triangle countries, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, so that people who at the moment are fleeing from poverty and from crime, basically, and dysfunctional governments, repression, all this sort of thing, so that they can stay at home and they don't have to flee. But unfortunately, that's a very, very long-term solution. It's not immediate. So Mexico wants the US to invest in that, but the US wants a much more immediate solution in terms of more people being turned away at the borders. So we don't yet know what Mexico is going to propose. They have said to me that they are willing to work with the US to apply Mexican laws more effectively. But what they don't want is to become a third safe country. That's the sort of jargon for being the country where migrants have to apply for asylum, the first safe country that migrants have to apply for asylum on their route north. So Mexico's drawn the line at that. They said there's no way they'll accept that. And they also won't accept having US border agents on its territory. Guatemala has reportedly said it wouldn't mind beefing up US border personnel on its side of the southern border, but Mexico said no. So what's your guess? Do you think this is going to be a long-standing dispute or something where Mexico can find some kind of compromise? Of course, Donald Trump's so unpredictable, it's hard to say, but what's it currently feel like? Well, when they were negotiating NAFTA, they, the, the successor to NAFTA, there were, there were several times when Donald Trump was on the brink of writing a letter to withdraw from the agreement. And he was talked back from the brink a couple of times, once by his agriculture secretary, for example, who pointed out just how much damage that would do to states that rely very heavily on agriculture and trade with Mexico. So there's form in him climbing down from the precipice, but there's also form for him going ahead with things that people say there's no justification for. For example, the aluminium and steel tariffs. Mexico and Canada, who were partners in NAFTA, were served with these 25% tariffs and Mexico retaliated. So my guess at the moment is that, you know, since he's traveling at the moment, since the talks today are going on with other members of the administration, but not the members of the administration who make the decision. The decisions are obviously being made by Donald Trump directly and without too much negotiation with other members of his cabinet. 
My suspicion is that at least the first one will go ahead and then we'll see. I mean, that's what Donald Trump said in London yesterday. I mean, he seems to be leaning towards applying the first one and keeping talking. And then perhaps we'd see a slowdown and not the incremental tariffs every month through to October. Alan, how potentially disruptive is this and how important is the US-Mexican economic relationship? The trade between the US and Mexico in itself isn't going to destroy the world economy. The issue here is that you simply can't trust Donald Trump that even when you have signed a deal, even when you've gone through the laborious process of renegotiating NAFTA to come up with the USMCA, nonetheless, he can simply turn on his tail, say, we're going to have tires for a completely different, unrelated issue, such as migration. You know, there were different strains of thought within the Trump administration. The centre of gravity, if you like, the median is Robert Lighthizer, who's the USTR, who's extremely hard-nosed and has some very strong views about trade, but, you know, it's not sort of eccentric and doesn't randomly suggest slapping on tariffs just because something has annoyed him that day. Now, when Bob Lighthizer is in charge of something, as he was the renegotiation of NAFTA, it might be unpleasant and it might be combative, but it generally gets done and then it's signed and sealed and, you know, legal. With something like this, with something like Trump, you're all over the place, so you have no idea. So essentially, everyone has been reminded how much risk there is around US trade policy because everyone has been reminded just what a degree of randomness can come from it right at the top. And, of course, this has to be seen in the context of the broader trade wars that Trump is embarking upon, the increase in tariffs to China. I mean, he really is living up to his name of tariff man or self-chosen moniker. Yeah, I mean, it does genuinely appear to be the case that he enjoys tariffs for their own sake. He apparently genuinely believes and cannot be shaken from the belief that a tariff is de facto a tax on a trading partner. And the fact that you have imposed a tariff on a trading partner means de facto that you have won. Now, of course, this has huge implications for those other countries or trading powers at the moment, the EU and Japan, who are trying to negotiate bilateral deals with the US in order to avoid more tariffs, in this case cars, being whacked on their exports. And they must be thinking, what's the point? What's the point of spending months, years in these negotiations, having to get all our domestic constituencies on side, having to get a laborious deal, only to see it overturned on the whim of the president? And Jude, I mean, what is the impact, say, of the 5% on the Mexican economy and potentially also on American consumers? And then what's the impact if tariffs do indeed rise steadily? I think Mexico, 80% of its exports go to the US, mostly manufactured goods. And there are very, very integrated supply chains. So one of the first impacts would be, say, the car industry. It's a massive industry in Mexico. So a lot of the car parts cross the border multiple times. Seat belts, for example, they're sort of made and they go to Canada to be dyed and then they go somewhere else to be cut out and they come back to Mexico to be stitched. So they're crossing the border back and forth. The tariff would mean that they have to be taxed at every crossing. So Maybe there would be some carve-outs for those sorts of things, but it could hit the car industry. There are some estimates that suggest that if the tariffs are imposed immediately, the 5% tariff, the cost of a car that's assembled in Mexico, like, say, a Nissan Sentra, would go up by $1,500 immediately. And that could rise to $7,500 if the full 25% were applied. There's another school of thought which suggests that a 5% tariff might not be the end of the world because actually the exchange rate has adjusted, so the peso has weakened, so Mexico's sort of regaining competitiveness. But I think the general consensus is NAFTA was put in place to provide security in terms of investment, predictability and security, and this does away with that completely. So even if the 5% is imposed and then 
maybe 10% isn't imposed or 5 and 10% are imposed, but maybe 15% isn't imposed, you still don't know. You've got that sort of sword hanging over you that you don't know what's going to happen next. So I think it's very, very damaging to the trade relationship. And it could be extremely damaging for both countries' economies, you know, recession and lack of growth. None of this will help Mexico, which is already struggling in the first quarter that the economy contracted. And Alan, I mean, as Jude says, potentially this has real deleterious effects on the real economy. But I suppose maybe Trump has been emboldened by the fact that for the moment, the American economy is growing quite strongly. The markets aren't doing that badly. Can he take that for granted, though? I mean, is is this likely, do you think, in the end to feed through reasonably fast into those metrics that he will be paying attention to growth and the stock exchange? Well, the thing is, I mean, if you look at trade, you know, the global economy can take reasonable shocks to actual cross-border trade without it plunging the whole world into recession. More of a concern is the idea that policy is completely random. There is a lunatic in charge of the U.S. economy and anything could happen and the markets will suddenly start pricing in a huge amount more risk. One of the things so far is that the markets seem to be taken by surprise each time something like this happens. And there's quite a big sell-off in equities which suggests that they haven't yet priced in that much risk. So, you know, that's a potential channel through which it could happen. And certainly Jay Powell, the Fed chair, said recently that the prospect of a trade dispute could weaken the economy. But, you know, that's what we've seen so far. We haven't seen a huge amount come through on the real economy because these things take time to come through. So you see a lot more sort of movement on the markets and short-term things than you do actually see a slowing of growth. So... It depends what Donald Trump is looking at. You know, supposedly he's obsessed with the market. Supposedly he's obsessed with the S&P. But it doesn't stop him doing things like this, which are damaging to the S&P. So it may be that one day he looks at the S&P and one day he doesn't. One of the things I think we've learned over the last two years is that it's very hard. In fact, it's impossible to discern a constant reaction function, you know, a, a constant way in which Donald Trump responds to things. You know, he seems to care about different things at different times. So I think if the U.S. went into a really serious recession, yes, he might ease off on the trade front a bit. But it's one of those things that certainly compared to any other administration, you know, in in memory, perhaps in history, is extremely hard to know. Okay, so we'll expect the unexpected. But for now, we'll have to leave it there. So thank you very much indeed to Alan Beattie and to Jude Webber. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.